Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Mark 8 During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmunta. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the east of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Did you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, Seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand? They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Did you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, Don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples 
went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priest and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ is often referred to as the turning point of the gospel. But is this correct? What was Peter confessing? Peter was expressing faith that Jesus was the divinely appointed king of Israel who was going to bring about the end of Israel's exile and the re-establishment of David's kingdom. Peter is seeing something, but it looks like a tree walking around. Peter was still misunderstanding Jesus in two crucial ways. Jesus was bringing two fundamental twists to the prevailing understanding of Messiah. Firstly, Jesus' rule wasn't going to be quite like David's rule. David crushed the head of Goliath, and Jesus would indeed crush the head of Satan, but the glorious enthronement of David would not be for Jesus. Yet, instead, Jesus' Christship at this age in history was to be defined by suffering and rejection and death. Jesus would bring in his kingdom not through human victory, but through human failure, which is a bit weird. And secondly, Jesus was not just bringing God's promises to those who had been trusting in them, but to lots of people who hadn't heard about them or didn't seem to care, which is even weirder. Jesus wasn't just bringing in Israel's kingdom to the faithful in Israel, but through seeming suffering and failure, he was populating his kingdom with whoever he chose, no matter what their history. This must have blown the disciples' minds. They had recognised the Messiah, but the Messiah was muddling them up and not doing what they expected. I wonder how often this still happens today. 
So many of us think confessing Jesus as Saviour will give a boost to our life goals and a loving ear to listen to our laments. Jesus, our Messiah, will certainly do both of those things, but this Saviour is also the suffering servant, and he bids us to become suffering servants with him so that we can seek and save the lost. After salvation, Jesus demands that we let him awaken us to his plans and his methods. Or else he calls us a Satan who tries to impose on our faith a human way of thinking rather than the way of God. There isn't time to thrash this all through here. So perhaps the easiest question to ask ourselves is this. Will we allow Jesus to reshape our views of success and satisfaction and a life that is truly significant? So often we want to impose a neat turning point onto our lives. We've come to faith in Jesus and so the only way is up. But our confession of Jesus as Lord is only the beginning. After this, there are still so many subsequent awakenings where he helps us realise the yeast of the Pharisees still needs to be removed and the eyes that we thought were opened need to be opened some more. Here's a question for reflection. How has your vision of a good life changed since you first came to faith? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.